risk methods, helping 130 customers with supply chain risk management. Each customer pays about five grand a month. So doing call it 650 grand a month today. That's up over 2x year over year. They're doing about 300, 400 grand just about a year ago. They've done this with about $20 million raised. Economics are healthy. Net revenue retention, well over 110%. Most of that expansion coming from their three very unique product lines that build on each other. In terms of aggressiveness in acquiring customers, $60,000 CAC up to that at least, which is less than a 12-month payback period. They got about 360 grand in lifetime value with their team of 140 people based between Munich, Boston, and Poland. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Heiko Schwartz. He's the founder and managing director of a company called Risk Methods. He's an expert in both software and strategic purchasing and has spent 20 years successfully helping supply chain and procurement organizations implement solutions to increase performance, reduce cost, and minimize risk. He's been honored with the Pro to Know Award from Supply and Demand Chain Executive for his forward-thinking approach to the topic of supply chain risk management. Heiko, are you ready to take us to the top? Great. Thank you, Nathan. Thanks for the introduction. You bet. So for people that are not in the weeds in your space, just describe why supply chain risk management is important. All right, we do. Um, Supply chain risk management is extremely important for companies, mainly for the companies that produce goods and um, as supply disruptions or reputational um, non-compliance within their supply networks lead to manufacturing stop, uh, which means these companies are no longer able to serve their customers with the products um, that they have promised to serve, which leads to increased cost to firefight and fix these problems and loss of revenues at the same time. So if you imagine these consequences do pair up, it means at the end of the day that a company is losing revenue while the competition is jumping into this this, uh, lack of um, product delivery and cost increase. So it's really the worth math um, from an economic perspective. And that's probably not in space in which uh, manufacturing companies want to to end. And Heiko, what are these kinds of risks? I mean, when I think supply chain risk management, I think Apple and Foxconn and then, oh, whoa, there's unsafe worker conditions. Oh, whoa, we have to stop using Foxconn. I mean, is that the kind of risk you're identifying? It is part of it. So um, we cross, uh, we, we look from a holistic perspective on everything um, damages the reputation of our customers or um, disrupts the supply chain. So to be become a little bit more precise, uh, we look into an area which we call delivery. So everything that disrupts the delivery, it might be a strike at a supplier or sub-supplier site. It might be a um, strike at a seaport, airport, distribution center, warehouse. And there might be a fire at a production site or assembly line of a um, business partner that really physically disrupts the supply chain or a hurricane or something hurricane any kind of natural disasters flooding earthquake fires um, probably actually a big topic in uh, in the US so aside of these physical disruptions we also consider everything that is um, putting the business partners in struggle because of financial health Um, so um, Cash flow um, developments, uh, fines, penalties, lost lawsuits, which are um, really bringing a financial risk to the viability of business partners, is another area where we are looking deep into. Got it. Aside of aside of these, um, 
you mentioned image and compliance related topics, which is another pillar where we um, have to consider working conditions at the um, operations of our business partners because the uh, non-compliance breaches might might it be child labor, environmental pollution, um, bribery, corruption, whatever it is. These incidents within the supply networks they reflect and um, hit the brand owner at the end of this chain. Yeah. So your software helps manage these risks. The manufacturers are the ones paying you. They're your customer. Correct. So okay. we mainly target uh, manufacturing companies because they have just-in-time, just-in-sequence manufacturing um, processes running. And every minute of um, um, disruption is getting really, really costly for them. So give me an average, you know, for, help us kind of dial in here. Are, are, is a manufacturing company going to pay you like a grand per month, a million per month? What do they typically pay you per month for this kind of software? Um, so it really depends on the size of a company. So our our offering starts with um, close to two grand a month uh, for the smaller enterprises, and it goes um, direction and even crossing six digit monthly fees. So it really depends on the size of a company as we want to. As measured by what? Size is measured by what? Um, revenue. So we have revenue bands like everything up to 500 million turnover, 1 billion turnover, et cetera. Interesting. Okay. So and your pricing ad- axes are someone would pay two grand a month versus a hundred grand per month. It's based off their own kind of revenue, their own flow. Correct. Because the value that we bring to these organizations is that we are protecting their revenues, right? And the more we protect, the more value is related to the offering. That's that's the idea. And we believe it's it's extremely important to have also these lower um entry fees for smaller companies because as long as your ambition is to foster and strengthen an entire supply network even the smaller ones should run a great supply chain risk management practice because the weakest chain in in a supply chain is causing the trouble so we have to foster everyone the large ones and the small ones and and heiko if i pushed you a little bit harder here and just for the sake of focusing forced you to like give me a kind of a a, your perfect customer your average i mean would you say it's in the like five to ten k per month range or is it truly enterprise you know a hundred thousand bucks a month so in average we are uh, around the the area of 5k a month okay um and, and give me um, what size sure of company are, is that? Sorry to cut you off, but what size of company? Someone that's paying you five grand a month are they doing twenty million bucks a year? What's, what's their typical size? Uh, their typical size is in the area of um, two billion turnover. Oh wow! Okay, so this is a very right. small percent of of whatever the total turnover is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Correct. Correct. Put, put all this is an interesting space. Put all this on a timeline for me. What year, year did you launch the company in? Um. So. We founded Risk Methods back in 2013, started with a uh, development of the technology, went to the market end of 2013. And um, we this time we focused mainly on the part where we automatically identify the threats um, into the supply networks of companies. And this part of our offering is called Risk Radar because we monitor the threats. Um, then um, we released the impact assessment part, which is bringing in a second um, dimension to build risk portfolios. Think about threats on one axis and the impact on another axis, which um, supports organizations 
to prioritize and where and and to to give them a guidance where to put a focus in terms of resources capacity uh, money um, cost basically budgets to improve the the risk exposure and last but not least to close the loop uh, all the action planning and execution support to track down the progress of the preventive activities but also on the um, crisis um, reactive part of what is risk management, basically, so right? 2013, it sounds like several product lines today. What's the team size today? How many people are you total? So we just crossed 140 employees. And um, so everyone who's interested into this great space, <laughs> please check out our uh, open positions on our website. And uh, at where, the end of the year, we will be where is every, 160. Where is everyone based? Where are the offices? The headquarters are based here in Munich, um, Bavaria, small country nearby Germany. I'm kidding. And um, the U.S. operations are based in Boston, Massachusetts. And uh, we have an operations center based in Wroclaw as well. It's Poland. Oh, very good. Very good. All right. So Munich, Boston, and Poland. And then over the past five years, what have you guys scaled to in terms of total customers or manufacturers you're working with? Um, so we... Today, as of today, we serve a customer base of 130 enterprises across, which are headquartered across Europe and North Americas. For sure, the supply supply chains, which means the objects that we are monitoring might be suppliers, sub-suppliers, customers, own facilities, warehouses, DCs, seaports, airports, are spread across the entire globe. So it's really a global topic. But our go-to market is focusing on EMEA and, and North America. And Heiko, have you been able to scale to these 130 customers bootstrapped or did you decide to raise capital? Uh, we bootstrapped in the beginning. So Rolf and myself as the two founders, we, we brought in um, our savings uh, into the foundation of risk, me- risk methods. How, come on, wait. And- how much did you guys put in? <laughs> It was tough. It was. Uh, we wanted to give a decent signal to the market that it's not uh, just a uh, gambling thing. So we put in a six-digit figure into the foundation. Um, so Heiko, just, just out of curiosity, when you launched the company, were, were you married? No. Okay, I was going to say, was this like divorce money where if it like failed, you're going to be on the street kind of thing? <laughs> but you, you, you really went all in though. I mean, you put mo- like both oh. you guys, all your savings, big risk. Yeah, absolutely. It was really an all-in decision. And um, as I can say as today, I married with risk methods. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. So how much total raised to date? Uh, so far, we raised uh, north of $20 million um, um, through in Series A and Series B. We went through in Series B um, springtime last year, uh, and we raised around $15 million into the Series B. Okay, so one five. One five million. So your Series yeah. A was about five million for twenty total. Yes, correct. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know that if you yeah. did that, if you did that last spring, and most people, once you're on the venture capital treadmill, you're raising every twelve to eighteen months. That means right now you're about to announce, or you're in the middle of fundraising, or you're in acquisition talks with a competitor. Which one is it? Um, it's neither nor. <laughs> oh come on, I got it. Um. Even if if um, are you pro- I, I are you are you in a, are you in a spot where you don't need to raise capital? Or are you are you cash flow positive at this point? We are getting really close to this spot, and um, 
we have no several options on the table that we are discussing, and um, uh, we believe that a good option would be that we um, potentially extend our reach with um, some additional funds, but not going to in CRC right now, and which would be prob- more probable to to do maybe totally. end of 2019. By the way, this is getting more and more popular to do kind of a bridge round in between Series B and Series C to kind of grow valuation more before you go out and do a big $20, $30 million Series C. Right, right. Would you ever use, I don't know what it's like in Europe, would you ever use venture debt to serve as the bridge so it's non-dilutive or would you definitely go out and raise equity? Um, it's a good, great question. So we considered um, venture debt several times in the past. At the end of the day, the the terms that we got from, from venture capitalists, money versus equity, were really amazing at the end of the day. So we, so far, we decided for go uh, to go for venture capital. As um, if you mean amazing in terms sh- of the the valuation and the very little dilution you would take. Yes, but it's still yes. some dilution, right? Venture debt has no dilution, and if you can get out from having any covenants or warrants, it could be cheaper capital. Correct. It's always about balancing the the opportunity with the risk level, and um, um, some players in the market are getting really, really nervous. And I had some some thought and experience exchange with other founders who did venture debts and as soon as they cross or match and miss some of the important um, KPIs these players might become really really stressful and you're um, talking about covenants warrants things like that correct yeah very good our intention is that we uh, work with investors who have a very long-term perspective and breadth and are interested in building a great company and um, therefore, we have been successful so far to to bet on on funds and and investors that have a long long term perspective. Right, makes good sense. Let's shift the focus back and put the spotlight back on your customers. So, obviously, growing a SaaS company churn is very very critical. But what's your churn today, and how do you think about it? Well, I, I'm not going to disclose the. Um, Precise figure, but we have a negative and two-digit negative churn, and um, which is an amazing, amazing sign in terms of customer satisfaction. So, Heiko, just to be clear, you're, you're more than you're more than negative net ten uh, percent churn monthly yeah. or annually. Yeah, monthly annually. or annually, annually. Okay, and is that is that yeah. sa- said yeah. said differently, Ico? Just this should be basically saying the same thing. That's essentially meaning your expansion revenue is more than making up for any lost revenue. And so your net revenue retention annually is over 100%. Yes, correct. Got it. Yeah. By, by, by at least you know 110%, double, double figures. Yep. That's great. Correct. Let me, let me ask a question. A lot of people um, struggle with uh, introducing upsells and the ability to drive expansion revenue in any kind of cohorts, um, especially as they get into year four and five of the company. How did you decide where to drive expansion revenue and what products to build to drive the expansion revenue? Mm-hmm. Great, great question. Um, so far, and that's <laughs> amazing, um, we haven't uh, focused What's on, amazing? on driving... Amazing is that we didn't put emphasis and, and efforts into into upselling. Um, as we're focusing on building a great. The nice thing about our offering is that um, the different, let's say, the three main products: identify threats, assess impact, mitigate, are building on each other. So it's a logical consequence. As soon as you achieve maturity one. Um, 
you're seeking for uh, step two into our product portfolio uh, because it just makes sense to add on um, this part um, to go to maturity stage two and three and so on. So um, our our um, strategy is to intensify and focus on the customer success, which we are not charging, um, to guide and develop our customers through this journey of supply chain resilience, which automatically ends up with customers asking for more of our offering. And it's not a selling um, approach. It's really us being the trusted advisor and developing the maturity together with our customers. But I could just be clear, you're, the, the pricing actually, the reason people pay more is because they're either adding additional products. Do you have seat-based upselling? And also, right. obviously, you have natural upselling. As they grow their total volume, I assume they probably pay you a bit more too. Yeah, but that's that's not the... I think this is kind of representing maybe 1% of the upsells. Ah, okay. So it's, it's mainly product upsells. Yeah. Okay. Last question Correct. here. We're, we're, we're out of time, but I want to understand how aggressive you're being in terms of growth and customer acquisition. So you described earlier your perfect customer, your, your kind of average is about five grand a month. What are you willing to spend in terms of fully weighted CAC to get a new $5,000 a month customer? Um, so we have an um, CAC versus um, lifetime ratio, which is um, really strong, which means at the end of the day that our um, ROI is... Um, usually below 12 months payback period. Okay. Yeah. So a 12 month payback period, obviously on a $60,000 ACV account, you're basically saying you're willing to spend up to 60 grand to acquire that customer. Maximum. Correct. Maximum. Yeah. And how strong is that relative to your LTV? Um, it's a decent multiple of um, six as, as of today. Six. You said six. That's good. Okay. So you're assuming yeah. about a $360,000 LTV. Yep. That's healthy. That's great. All right. And then look, before we wrap up, I mean, I can do the math. You give me the numbers. 130 customers at a $5,000 price point puts you somewhere in the range of about 600 grand per month right now in revenue. Is that directionally correct? Correct. And it will be much more until end of this year. That, uh, what's your target for the end of the year? <laughs> um, we, we target another 2x growth and um, we typically do on the, on the, of on the 650. Not on the 650, on the year, oh. year year over year basis. And um, we usually do 70% of our new business in, in uh, the second half of the year. So it's really like a budget cycle driven uh, year end rally. So where uh, so where were you a year ago? So in October of 2017, a year ago, where were you at? 300-ish K per month? Yeah, a little bit more, like close to 400. Okay, that's great. Very good. All right, let's wrap up here, Heiko, with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Wow. Um, I think one of the best I read is Hard Things About The Hard Thing About Hard Things. Yeah, ben Horowitz, um, that's good. Number two, is there an under the radar CEO that you really respect? I think I respect every CEO because life as a CEO is a hard knock life. Yeah. It's fun, but it's really tough. And everyone who decided to do this um, has my deepest respect. Number respect of how, how great the companies do. It's a tough challenge. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building the company? The web browser. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. You probably use that every day. Number four, how many hours of sleep to get every night? Excuse me, could you please repeat the question? Sure. How many hours of sleep do you get every night? 
Oh, this really depends. Like I, I'd say between three to to six. Three to six. Okay, very good. And then we'll call there a four or five average there. And then what's your situation? Married, single, kiddos? Um, I'm single, uh, but I'm living together with my girlfriend that's, since that's longer great. time. Not married, no kiddos. And how old are you? I'm 42. 42. Last question, Iko. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? Um, could you please repeat the question? Sure. I, I was what, not, what, I'm not sure what I do you, it. What do you wish you knew when you were 20? I think I would do exactly the same again and again. Um, and if I were 20 right now, I would do my studies and stick my nose into the business life and just as I did in the first years of my career, um, try it out as much I could and, and finding out which, which areas of the professional life are fun and, and what makes me a satisfied and, and happy person uh, also from terms or from a perspective of the private life. Guys, there you have it. Risk Methods helping 130 customers with supply chain risk management. Each customer pays about five grand a month. So doing call it 650 grand a month today. That's up over 2x year over year. They're doing about 300, 400 grand just about a year ago. They've done this with about $20 million raised. Economics are healthy. Net revenue retention, well over 110%. Most of that expansion coming from their three very unique product lines that build on each other. In terms of aggressiveness in acquiring customers, $60,000 CAC up to that at least, which is less than a 12-month payback period. They're, they got about 360 grand grand and lifetime value with their team of 140 people based between Munich, Boston, and Poland. Thank you so much, Iko, for taking us to the top. Thank you so much as well. Take care, Nathan.